You are now listening to round of applause, feeding off everybody. each other. New digs. We made it. New new scenery. Welcome to the right. new and improved feeding off each other podcast. It's much more echoey now. Yeah, there's not a lot in here other than this <laughs> that you see. It's a stadium, so. <laughs> We've moved into BC Place. Yeah. <laughs> if you are watching us on YouTube, we are in a new place. We talked about new, having a new office, new studio, and we made it. We finally made it. Pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, right now we're just kind of a shell of a set. We have one f- picture on the wall. We have a got real crooked too. <laughs> with some guy we just hung that literally five minutes ago. Uh, we have a curtain. Some white walls, and I don't know how to turn off our heating, air conditioning, HVAC system. So there's a little bit of no like room tone, but uh, yeah, only up from here, fellas. Good stuff. Yeah, no, it is good. I'm so comfy in these couches. Yeah, we got new couches. Yeah, it feels like we're on a talk show now. I know we're not. We're open to camera. We're not at the little table anymore. Yeah. I kind of miss being intimate. Do you think we could just like get closer at I don't, some point? I, I, don't I literally so. don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our cords are too short. Yeah, that's true. So she said. Welcome to Feeding Off Each Other, the weekly podcast where we feed off, feed off the talent, humor, knowledge, and awesome stories of our guests and each other. I'm Matt Dennison, and I'm joined by Jason, could be a Deardo Lucas. Oh, shit. Throwback. <laughs> Got a deer shirt on. I, I connected that all together. Yeah. I thought oh. about this last night. Yes. And uh, you guys know what's on the back of my shirt? Have you seen the back of my shirt? Could nope. be a deer. No. Rain. Oh, oh, oh. careful. Oh. oh. That ass. It's a deer's ass, everyone, mm-hmm. for, the, for the listeners. <laughs> the, cords, the cords are way too short here. I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't Matt, have got Matt's up. the only one with a restricted length cord. Oh, and, oh, he, and oh. His, my soundboard. And his soundboard out. just unplugged. <laughs> what a mess. I'm also joined by David. Mm-hmm. No, it's not a deer. It's definitely a salmon Wiggins. That's, that's me. <laughs> Someone asked me in the comments to always refer to you as the salmon. Oh, yeah. Every single time, intro you as the salmon. Well, that's how I want to be remembered. As a fish? Yeah. 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 It'll go on your tombstone. It's, it's not, I mean, there's way worse things you can be remembered for. I mean, yeah. The, the time I jumped like a salmon in elementary school. I don't know if that's what I want my legacy to be. And high school. Okay, let's go. I mean, barely in high school. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's get to our guests because mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've done a podcast here. We kind of stockpiled. We had to like move into this place. We had a production to shoot. We had a bunch of things. I feel rusty. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Why don't, don't we start? Too. Why don't we start talking to someone who's much uh, more intelligent than us, hmm. who can probably oh, speak yeah. and use words better than us. <laughs> uh, who wants to do the intro? Jason. No, I wrote it. I feel like one of you guys, I, I want one of you guys to do it. All right. I'm nervous now. What, <laughs> what are you guys going to say? I got to pull, pull up the show notes. Thing. Oh, he's not this is the first. This is a producer. This is one of those podcasts where I have not read any of the show notes. So, <laughs> All right, I'm reading this blind. You guys ready? Yes. Blind. <laughs> I got Braille on my screen, so. Uh, today's guest has made a name for themselves on YouTube by creating mountain bike content Man. right here on the North Shore, the Sea to Sky, and wherever else he, his travels take him. When he's not on his bike, he is studying, oh shit, <laughs> magnetoencephalography. <laughs> That's pretty close. Yeah. Okay. 
at Simon Fraser University, making him the smartest mountain bike YouTuber we know. On top of all that, he is the father of a lovely corgi <laughs> named Astro. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Van Cam, at, a.k.a. Nick Zielinski. Yeah. Yay. That was great. Was it accurate? Yeah, yeah. Is Astro still with us? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Could you imagine? Yeah, it could. It's a risk. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty young. He's three, is he three years old now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. just started smoking and yeah. getting into trouble. His teen years. Yeah, yeah. He can drive. Yeah. He can drive. <laughs> Learner's permit. How do you pronounce uh, magneto? The, um, magnetoencephalography. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, I so to give it a shot. It's a, so people are probably more familiar with electroencephalography. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you talk about it all the time. Yeah. Well, I think it's so it, refreshing. It, well, it comes up on TV a lot. Like doctor shows are pretty popular. Sure, they sure, use sure. EEG a lot. Um, magnetoencephalography is, a, is quite a bit less common. And, and so it requires explanation and. Uh, it's hard to pronounce. Okay, well, you're going to have to give a full explanation because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so have you seen X-Men? <laughs> Magneto? Oh, okay. Say no more. I'm mm -hmm. the first one that's probably ever made that joke. Okay, here we go. It's a non-invasive... This is just off the top of my dome, okay? I'm, not, I'm reading this on, on Google. It's a non-invasive medical test that measures the magnetic fields produced by your brain's electrical currents. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, See, we did our that. research, so we already knew that. Yeah, we already knew. Yeah. I'm, but like, I'm, for, <laughs> I'm doing it live. Nick, if uh, I was five years old mentally, how would you explain it? And you are. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a type of brain scan where we see how your brain is working. And I think, um, I mean, depending how smart you are as a five-year-old, maybe you know what an MRI is. Okay. Um, so... That, that's kind of the type of brain imaging I think most people think about. Um, but what that machine does is produce a picture of your brain, just like a photograph. Uh, and you look at it, and it's just, that is how it is, right? Like if I have a photograph of man. Um, you just see monkeys with symbols crashing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so with magnetoencephalography and electroencephalography, you're taking a functional image. You're looking at how the brain, like what it's doing. Um, so, uh, it would be maybe like, uh, sure. I could see a photograph of you, but if you ask like, Oh, what was he saying? Or, you know, was he breathing funny when he, when we took this photograph, we wouldn't know. So that's where the functional part comes in. Uh, an MEG doesn't produce an image that shows, you know, any sort of structure. It shows where the activity is and, uh, that activity causes magnetic fields. And we pick that up with a big machine called an MEG. It's kind of like those cameras that are infrared or whatever, and you can see someone farting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Thank you for explaining yeah. that. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Dave. Now mm -hmm. I get it. You know those ones you see, the, like the dark cloud. <laughs> you ever seen those videos? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could almost think of it like video, like maybe a video where it only picked up motion. Maybe a good analogy. Um, right. uh, but honestly, I, I I have a hard time explaining it. Um, <laughs> I'm still learning it. I'm still in school, so uh, I don't go on a lot of podcasts where I, I have to explain <laughs> the well, fields. Uh, even to other engineers or people in the lab, uh, there's still a lot of ums and ahs and going like, hmm, like, I think it does that. And, and so, yeah. So, so you're highly underqualified to speak on this. <laughs> Do you use have, these <clears throat> machines? Yep, yeah, yeah. So so this, I guess the the... the the big picture of it all. Uh, so my advisor 
is head of MEG at Surrey Memorial Hospital. And uh, Surrey Memorial Hospital, uh, you know, a lot of people, I guess, wouldn't be familiar with, but it's a huge hospital in Surrey. It's the best hospital in Canada, I think. And it's similar to like a level of like the Stanford hospitals and things like that. So lots of really interesting research and stuff goes on there. And uh, the machine looks like the one that you showed me there. Yeah, this uh, looks like it's straight out of uh, out of X Men. Yeah, so the machine it does look like that. It's uh, it's in the basement. It's in a big metal room, and the machine is actually designed and built here in Coquitlam uh, by a company called CTF, and I worked with them briefly. Um, so the machine, the MEG machines, and debatably one of the best, is actually manufactured and designed here in Coquitlam. Huh. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. In your uh, garage? <laughs> Just me. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's still a small industry, so um, the, it's not like a huge, like, it's not like Phillips where it's like a nice campus and like, you know, visiting Apple or anything like that. It's still, it's still almost like a startup vibe um, in, these, in these companies. So this is a crazy looking machine. Um, it's, I mean, for... How, how would you describe this? It kind of looks like a, a toilet, a toilet that's upside down, mounted on the ceiling, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you stick yourself, you stick your head like you're giving yourself a swirly okay. up into the toilet bowl. So you're standing. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Like a standing stand. swirly. Well, yeah. So the aesthetics, yeah, medical aesthetics is an interesting one. You basically, um, I think, if I remember right, there's actually there might be some standards for why things are like white and beige um, to kind of give like a sense of. Calm. Yeah. Is that calm? It's like sterile, clinical, evil. I hate it. I think. Well, I think now, like, it's people are so used to seeing that at the hospital, and that's where you go for bad stuff, and now you associate that with like mm. a, something bad is coming, and <laughs> just like our. Imagine if it was like yeah. this here. Imagine though if it was like black with like steel, and like it'd be so much scarier. Or it had like flames on it. Yeah, yeah. Guy Fieri was like, "Sup?" <laughs> so we do. Like we uh, we study children a lot. I mean, I don't, but the, the field does. Come um. On. And uh, that's another thing too. Like you couldn't make it. You wouldn't want to put like flames on it or like have like a death metal vibe uh, because a lot of children are going in here and they're already scared. Uh, it's the pretty unknown. It's a weird. It's a weird looking thing, and it looks like it might hurt you. Um, in in this case, MEG is it's totally non invasive. It, it is your brain is just giving off magnetic fields. You're just we're picking it up. Um, and the machine also doesn't touch you. Like you, you go inside the helmet, maybe you might touch the sides of the helmet, but it's not shooting any rays at you or radiation or anything. You're just giving off these magnetic fields and we're picking them up. Um, so yeah, there's no, there's no real danger to it. Um, there's definitely nothing to be scared of. It doesn't hurt or anything like that. So what, what is happening in this machine? So the I'm reason something spinning around really fast. <laughs> yeah. So the reason it's so big is there's a lot of insulation, uh, that part, you know, um, the I guess the, so. The way it works is they use a type of sensor called a squid, which is a superconducting quantum interference device. That's a fake. Yeah, fake. <laughs> you know, it's okay. I was wait. Say that again. What a squid. So superconducting quantum interference device. That's the type of sensors that is commonly used in these type of machines. Conducting starting with Q. Quantum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super. And the S is superconducting. Um, and. Uh, Sometimes these acronyms, I feel like they think of a cool acronym first. And yeah, like, yeah, they backwards okay. deconstruct oh, it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, there's a lot of there's yeah. There's definitely a lot of like funny stuff in science that happens like that. Where you're like, oh, that seems like are you trolling us. I mean, everything's marketing. <laughs> oh, it still. Is. So 
Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to your question. But even uh, the other types of sensors we work on, um, <clears throat> the stuff that I work on, uh, uh, I would say originally they were called atomic sensors, but there's such a negative connotation to the word atomic <laughs> mm-hmm. that uh, we refer to them, uh, you know, kind of as optically pumped instead. Uh, just specifically for the marketing reason. Yeah. When people come into the hospital and uh, we're explaining to them, you know, say if, if eventually we design a helmet that does these things, we use the atomic sensors and you, you come into the hospital, someone who's totally uh, doesn't know anything about uh, how these things work and they just they hear the word atomic, they're going to think some probably some pretty negative stuff like, could this explode? Like, it, like is there little, little atomic bombs on my, on my head? And is it dangerous? Because they associate the, that word. And same with nuclear. Uh, nuclear medicine kind of tries to stay away from the word nuclear. Uh, yeah, I'm not putting my head in anything nuclear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. What's going on with that machine? The reason it's so big is to get to the superconducting part. Is you need to cool down uh, the sensors, and we do that by putting them in liquid helium. And so we basically we create the liquid helium. You fill up that big, basically that's a big like tube of liquid helium in there, and the sensors are all down in the helmet and. You could basically kind of think of them like little loop antennas, like they're just little circles of, uh, of metal, kind of. Um, and we need to cool them down so they become superconducting. That's what makes them uh, really sensitive to magnetic fields. And then, but to, if something uh, is going to be that cold, so liquid helium is going to be about 270 degrees below zero, you then need to insulate that from everything that's uh, how cold our office was yeah. when we first moved in <laughs> nothing is moving everything liquid helium everywhere. we all lost limbs to frostbite sorry how's a phlegm bite right there <laughs> so cold and yeah so that so that's that's like the whole tube and the whole apparatus the actual sensors part is just really housed in that helmet and uh uh th- the sensors themselves are are quite small um yeah, only mm. a few centimeters. Um, so all of it's just supporting hardware. Um, and it's big because, again, part of it is the aesthetics don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need a machine that works. And it's also it's a small industry. And yeah, there just isn't a pressure to make it like cool. Or even, they don't even really need to be small because you'll just put it in a big room. Um, I guess they could try and make it smaller, but then that comes with the compromise of making maybe a worse machine. And yeah, they, there's enough problems to deal with. I feel like in a few decades, you're going to look back at this and think, that's ridiculous. Like, thinking back to my first computer, 35 gigabytes, mm-hmm. two grand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're hoping. So if you scroll down, there's actually uh, uh, an image with a, there's a woman with a face, sort of a face helmet on at some point. There. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so she, wherever she is there, uh, I think that's the Nottingham group. In this one here. Uh, oh, 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 they published in Nature. This one, uh, so uh, oh, oh, she yeah, was yeah, terrifying. Yeah, sorry, this is so much scarier. Yeah, this Holy is like shit. the Phantom oh, of the Opera oh meets. <laughs> okay, I don't know. It does look way more terrifying. Uh, <laughs> so this is a three D printed helmet to help house all the sensors that are on top of her head there, uh, and those those are the sensors that they're trying to move. So instead of having this whole apparatus of like liquid helium and big machine, uh, they're trying to move to a mobile machine. Uh, where you just put the helmet on and it would look something like that. Okay. This is how uh, mountain bike YouTubers look on the trails <laughs> sometimes with their GoPros on their head. Oh, yeah. It's- <laughs> <laughs> the- 
This is going to be turned into a meme. I feel like she doesn't look happy at all to be no. in that situation. Is that the one where she's holding the coffee? Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that is specifically they're studying uh, like uh, activation in the motor cortex for what, what's happening as she sips a coffee. Like, okay. Oh, I, th- I think that's cool. the study. That's cool. Um, <laughs> and they're just making sure it works. Uh, I thought they were just like wear this mask and live your life. Have that's your coffee. The, so that's the goal of like some of these uh, companies. I mean, Neuralink is going that way, but there's mm. also another company uh, that doesn't get too much media attention called Kernel. Um, so basically, it seems like Kernel and uh, Elon both had the same sort of vision for brain-computer interfaces. Uh, Neuralink went the invasive route, though so they want to kind of insert the electrodes right into your brain, which works really, really well because you can you can attach to a very small little bundle of neurons. Uh, but then, yeah, that requires brain surgery and inserting stuff into their in, into your brain, which is pretty dicey. Uh, and so Kernel is going the other route where they're trying to make helmets, like mobile helmets and stuff like that. And they have two machines and... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're laughing at me. I lost my auxiliary cord again. But yeah, they're going the non-invasive route um, using some other techniques and they want to make brain-computer interfaces and they want things like... Uh, even like, so we know about heart health. Uh, you know, I wear a Whoop or an Apple Watch or whatever. Uh, and it tells me things like my heart rate variability or my resting heart rate, or if I have an, you know, uh, I could do a little e, uh, ECG with my watch, look for arrhythmias or things like that. But there really isn't that for the mind. And we know that, you know, subjectively, these things are happening. Like, you, you, sometimes you just don't feel well. If you're depressed, there are things that are, uh, you feel, but, you know, what quantity we're going to measure. And so I think that's part of the hope of these things, too. You want to have an ability for people to monitor i mean their brains long term uh, especially even with concussions there's other groups that do that that are looking at um you know right now you get a concussion and a guy the doctor like the best they can do is like have you look at a stick and be like okay he seems like he's all there uh and it's kind of a subjective test um they're working on what are the markers of is someone you know they've they've rattled their brain to a point where they need to rest are there markers in an EEG that we can say objectively, like, oh, yeah, like, you need to tone it down. And then we just monitor them until, until what point, you know, uh, are they good to go? Um, so, yeah, lots of stuff like that. And I uh, can't remember what the original question was anymore. So to- uh, I think my question maybe a while ago was how, what's happening in this <laughs> machine? Like, things are spinning <laughs> right. really fast? Or, like, oh, right, was- right. So, yeah, so <laughs> nothing's spinning. Uh, I mean, the, the only thing, I guess, the uh, helium, we have a helium recycler. So helium boils off um, and turns into helium gas. Uh, the only thing that's spinning around or moving is that we are capturing the helium, compressing it back to a liquid and putting it back in the machine. Whoa. Uh, other than that, it's not like a... If you've ever seen like an open CT scanner um, that sometimes comes up uh, and when they turn it on, like it's spinning super fast and it's like a big heavy metal machine. It looks pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, nothing scary like that. MEG is definitely the least scary. There's no, the only possible bad thing that could happen to you is if the helium leaked. Um, You're in a, uh, what's called a mu metal room. It's just a shielded metal box uh, to keep out magnetic noise and stuff like that and the only thing that possibly could happen to you is if there was a leak the room would fill up with helium 
you would be really squeaky. That would be uh, hilarious. As you died, because oh. you would suffocate. Uh, but so, <laughs> that is a sketch right there. Yeah, write that. Write that sketch. Yeah. So that that's the like dying the, part. Yeah. Everybody dying, but in a room Help full of helium. Me. Someone in my high school died from oh, they God. inhaled oh. uh, from a, a helium balloon pump machine, mm. and they inhaled it directly, and they they got like a bubble in their brain oh. or something, and they're in their lung, and yeah, it was it was a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, so right yeah, probably feel bad. <laughs> it, yeah, so th- th- like, there's that danger, but there's uh, there's vents and stuff and sensors that are. Uh, if the room does fill up with helium, a bunch of sensors go off. There's a fan that turns on that starts pulling air in and sucking air out. Do you need the sensor? Can't you just tell people start? I guess if nobody's talking, <laughs> uh, well, it, we, it'll start to detect it if there's even like a slight increase in helium. Okay. Uh, even especially because helium's going to rise, right? So it's going to fill up the top of the room, and you wouldn't notice. Oh. So the top part of this room could be filled with helium, and it could be coming down. Oh, it is. And then <laughs> <laughs> Matt doesn't get a sensor. He just has a guy that never stops talking. Yeah. Like, it kind of sounds like Daffy Duck. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone run. So as the podcast goes on, our voices are just going to get squeakier and squeakier. Thanks for watching, guys. <laughs> so I just broke the sound barrier. I think. Um, so what's the what? What does your main interest lie in? in this technology like what, where do you want to see this going what do you how do you want to implement it uh <laughs> it's it i would probably i'm just gonna work with someone who is part of a big company working on this because okay. uh, uh it's a really complicated problem to make these machines uh there's a tons of math and physics um and so i guess where my projects and my graduate work come in is trying to move these mobile sensors kind of in the right direction. So right now we use squids. Those are the, the ones, they, they work really well. The machines work well and everything like that. But it ends up all being super expensive to have this machine and the helium and the room, and it's not mobile, and the helmet is fixed. So if you have, uh, you know, children come in, they have small heads, and then the sensors are further away from the head. Uh, and so it needs to be a one-size-fit-all helmet and all these kinds of things. Um, we, I guess we, in terms of Im- the imaging community, uh, it would be nice to see uh, a mobile imaging system. And one of the ways we can do that is by replacing these squid sensors with uh, these atomic magnetometers uh, that we also call optically pumped magnetometers. And that's what I work on. So right now, yeah, I guess we, I get, I'll just get right into some specifics here. So my project specifically uh, is to try and build a specific type of one of these magnetometers. Um, and so say the issue right now, uh, one of the issues right now, there's a tons of issues with them, um, which is good because there's lots of work to do, but uh, so you can build an atomic sensor. Say if you just built one and you have it out um, just here, it would just pick up tons of noise. It would just be like you're at, uh, you know, Metallica concert, and you're trying to hear someone whisper from 20 feet away. And one of the techniques that you can do to hear that whisper is we can take, say, two sensors, and when uh, let's stick with this talking analogy. Um, say we're both we're both at this concert, and we're pretty far away. We're hundreds of feet away. Uh, I'm here. Jason's 20 feet away. We both hear the concert pretty much the same. Um, and say Jason wants to say something to me. He's saying, I can't really hear him. Um, as say sound or magnetic fields, 
propagate, they, they do fall off. Um, and what you can do is you can take two sensors. I could stick one where I am, and then I could hold one over here. And what I could do is I could take the difference between the two. And so since, you know, we're far away from that really loud source, the, both of those sensors are going to hear the same thing. And so that's going to get subtracted away. And then since Jason is closer to me, the first one's going to hear a louder noise, like of Jason speaking. And then the second one's going to hear that a little bit quieter. So that only gets slightly subtracted away. And so then you can pick up, uh, you can kind of get rid of the background noise and just hear what someone's saying. Um, and so we call that a gradient. So we're measuring the gradient of, of in this case, audio. Uh, but I'm trying to measure the gradient of magnetic field. And you can just keep doing this. So that would be a first order gradient. So the difference between two points. But then if you take, uh, say, three sensors and you have two differences and then you take the difference of the difference, you then get into a second order gradient. And you can basically form like a, you can almost think of it like a bubble of like everything in this bubble I'll be able to hear and outside the bubble is going to be subtracted away. And the higher and higher gradients, um, you know, the higher order gradients you, you start to measure, you kind of tighten in that bubble more and more and more. And so right now, um, the way that the sensors work is they might take two sensors, separate sensors, and measure the gradients and subtract them in like a post-production, like a post-processing of the data. Uh, and I'm going to try a technique where you measure the gradient in just in, within the physics of the sensor itself. So it's going to the, the sensor isn't going to measure two magnetic fields uh, separately and do it later. It's going to actually just measure the gradient directly. And if that's going well, I might try to measure the second order gradient directly. Um, and there's some benefits to this in just terms of, um, hopefully if you do it right, the, the signal to noise ratio will be better or something like that. And uh, there'll be some benefits and whatnot. So that's what I do, uh, or I'm trying to do. And uh, can you use it to make our podcast sound better? Because it <laughs> sounds like it might <laughs> remove the noise today. Well, I think um, I was actually thinking about that. If people do use it uh, for situations like this, like if you, if the sound in the room is the same kind of everywhere, um, you could put another mic over in that corner and then in under what would happen. And if, if later on you went and just subtracted these mics from that mic, um, our voices would be really quiet in that one, but maybe the room tone would be the same. And then you could subtract it and maybe. But I haven't really looked on to see if, if people do this kind of thing in audio. There must be something along these lines. Audios. Uh, I just think let so. AI do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it seems way easier. Yeah, it seems, this is, all seems like something chat GPT could do. <laughs> I, I've actually used it uh, for these types of situations where I'm like, how do you explain this? Like, because uh, it does such a good job of like, mm. uh, you're like, explain this to me. Uh, I always have to go like, in simple terms, like no matter what it is. Right. Like, I wouldn't want that, to, like, stuff I should know probably. What what would it take for you guys to get Neuralink? What stage of uh, development does it need to uh, be at for you to get a Beta. hole drilled into your head and a uh, little chip installed? Because sometimes I'm, you know, you're on your phone. I mean, this is my take on what Neuralink is supposed to be. You're on your phone and, you know, you have to send a text or, or a, send, like, attach a photo to an email. And you know all that it takes. It's a simple process. But you got to go to the photo album. You got to click the photo. You got to right click the three dots. You got to hit share. You got to attach that to the email. You got to wait two seconds for it to load. You got to put in the name. 
mm-hmm. all that and it takes 30 seconds and it seems like that's not much time but when you do that many many times throughout the day and you want to make it efficient if you could just get a chip and think about it for one second and it does it for you wouldn't that be great for yes. the low low price of having a <laughs> hole drilled in your head i almost think that it would go um like instead of allowing us to do stuff that's still exterior to our mind uh i think it would just allow for a more straightforward connection between two minds because anytime like say if i have a thought i need to sort of compress it into words i say it you hear it you unzip that file and you go like okay like what's going on in here uh what i think could happen is that i could just share my thought like my feeling like the whole uncompressed data set of whatever it is i'm trying to communicate and just I would send it to you. Say no more. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, there you completely. go. <laughs> but I do what? wonder though, if you don't have your own internal context of the way your mind thinks, mm. that it might not actually translate across to another brain directly in that sort of way, right? So, mm. and the process of you know you speaking out your thoughts is part of the process of you thinking. I think a lot of the time, mm-hmm. like you kind of have to get it outside of yourself first. I almost wonder if that's even would work in that way. Yeah, well, the brain is just, it's a weird, it's super weird. It does um, lots of things that don't seem, like it doesn't work how you think it would work, I suppose, or expect it to work just from your subjective feeling. Um, It does lots of weird stuff. Um, And even, even, even just thinking about... The re- yeah, the reasons you do things kind of sometimes it can happen afterwards. Um, uh, you know, thoughts and feelings and stuff should sort of appear out of your unconscious. Uh, and you might make a decision. And then it, it seems like some studies are showing that uh, sometimes you, you, so you can trick people into thinking they've made decisions too. Like a, there's a study, something like um, they showed people images and, uh, their researcher was controlling the mouse and they would say like, Oh, choose an image. And they were able to trick people into thinking they were controlling and they were, and so, and they were rationalizing like, Oh yeah, like I chose the picture of the giraffe. Cause like, I like giraffes. <laughs> and, uh, really it was just the researcher was doing it and saying like giraffe. And, um, so yeah, th- there is like that whole context in what actually is happening in the mind when you think or feel or do anything and how are you going to communicate that? And, uh, that's a problem. Yeah. So <laughs> that area, I, I don't really do neuroscience or stuff like that, but uh, yeah, that, that's a problem for Neuralink and, and whatnot. Well, and if you're connected by your brains, like how much are you then able to filter what you're communicating? <laughs> right? Like if, so, if you're that closely connected and there's no barrier. Yeah. You're going to hear all my intrusive scary. thoughts. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to yeah. hear all the garbage. You're going to hear all the monkeys with that. symbols. And it's like, it almost feels like too, if you had something in your brain, you would never be able to disconnect. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're just you're just in everything all the time. Whereas right now you can like close your device or turn it off or put it away. Yeah, that's what uh, even even now I'm trying to use my phone less, which is hard when you make content and things like that. And I enjoy Instagram and YouTube and whatnot. Uh, but there's times where I'm like, oh, I've been scrolling Instagram for like two hours and haven't really gotten anything out of it. <laughs> And so, yeah, so if you were directly connected to it where maybe you couldn't exactly shut it off, it would get weird for sure. Um, but I, I guess uh, I'm pretty optimistic about it, especially in terms of the sort of the other stuff that it'll allow us to do. Um, you know, people who have lost function of, say, their legs, uh, being able to sort of regain control and 
make make sort of our own connection with the brain into the legs and things like that. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's on the horizon. Hopefully, it seems like. In your studies, have you uh, learned anything that's changed your perception of reality and how your mind thinks and how others communicate with you? Uh yeah, uh yes, in a few way, a few ways. Um, so it seems like the more you learn about, say, psychology and neuroscience and things like that, um, it seems seems like all of these things are such physical processes like you learn about how the mind works you're like oh you know the neurons are here and there's chemical channels and they fire and they open and uh you know they you know this chemical builds up and then they fire and that's your thought and it starts to uh you start to think like well if this stuff is just kind of all just happening like are you controlling that are you is there like do you have the free will to choose like to are you really controlling this are you the author of your thoughts really or are you just a state your 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 brain is just a state is taking in inputs and uh whatever state it's in um you know it makes some computation and that's a thought and then you can then you act on that um so in that way i guess yeah just sort of like a philosophical way about how i think about how the mind works and things like that uh that's more of like a a hobby horse i guess for me um um and it starts to get a bit into the, f- the philosophy of you know what is like free will or anything like that but uh, i think it's super interesting and uh uh i guess it really hasn't changed like a day-to-day life uh about how i think about things but uh i guess i spend a lot of time uh being interested in these things and Another way that I th- think about things, um, I think there is a point to when people say, uh, you know, your teacher or whatever, uh, when you're learning math in high school and you're like, ah, this sucks, like, this is boring, um, that uh, it'll be useful or it helps the way you think. And I think that is true uh, when you learn math and physics and things like this. The way that you process information and you go, these actions cause this and you think about it in a logical way. I think that studying math and physics and things like this, um, as, uh, as sort of, uh, it's in the background always of going like, okay, I've got this and I need to go here. And how do I logically go like a, B, C, D. Um, so I guess that in like an abstract sense, like just the study of, of math or things like that has, has affected how I think about kind of other things or how I go about them. Uh, do you see yourself getting Neuralink in your lifetime? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm extremely like medical adverse, like uh, definitely a hypochondriac. And I, uh, <laughs> it's a, a bit of a meme, I guess, or not even a meme, but just it happens when, when doctors are in medical school and they start reading about uh, all the things that can go wrong and all the diseases you are like, yeah, I got all these. Um, <laughs> and I'm definitely like that. And even like, yeah, even reading about the brain stuff, um, it's like, uh, yeah, all that just medical 
things just make me nervous and cause anxiety. So it, it seems it, like you chose a great field. I, <laughs> I, I think I just couldn't be a doctor out of that part of like, I would be just so concerned for my, like concerned by myself. That sounds selfish, but uh, more like just in constant fear of like looking at symptoms and being like, you know, you look on WebMD and it's like, Oh, I've got all these. I'm, I'm dying <laughs> now. Do you call that? What is that? White coat syndrome? Uh, I'm actually not sure. Okay. Uh, it's a hypochondria and something right. like that. But uh, but yeah. So so I I like the idea, like in, uh, in principle, I guess in theory. But uh, in terms of actually like being sedated and having surgery formed, that seems pretty scary. Yeah. What about you guys, Jason? Get Neuralink? I'd do it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it depends what it actually does and if it's super helpful for life. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's like. The same thing when, no, it's not the same, but it's similar to when like cell phones came out and people were like, oh, you're going to get brain cancer because you're holding mm-hmm. the phone to your head all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we might still time. Yeah, there's yeah. still time for us to <laughs> yeah. find out. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like the sounds of it though. Yeah, so it'll become, just, uh, especially if it, it is, if it is really good, you will just, ha- you'll have to do it because even now, uh, being someone without a cell phone, mm-hmm. uh, it starts to just affect like everything about your life you're just like you can't you're out of the loop and uh if we're talking about a machine or a device that increases your intelligence uh like you're just gonna be just like a a monkey walking around like a bunch of super geniuses and you're like oh like this is awful (laughs) think about if it really gets applied when we're older too and then like all the kids have it and you're the like the grandpa that like the gap between a kid and like, you know, an elderly person now is so huge with their technological competency. So at that point it would just be, like it's coming. It's coming for years. us. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to fall behind one day. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm already yeah. like, what are the kids listening to these days? Yeah. How neat is that? I, I'm going to have the soundboard uh, in my head if I get Neuralink <laughs> and I won't need the computer anymore. I won't need an iPad. It's going to be amazing. That's what I look forward to. Yeah. Or maybe they will be like, um, it'll, they will be, having like the a uh, uh, a real life experience will be like its own thing uh, in terms of uh like that'll be like a pure experience like just like a you know way back when we were hunter gatherers everyone was camping cuz well they had to right you just lived in the woods uh and now we do that for fun so maybe they'll be like everyone'll be connected all the time and we'll we'll go be normal for a while as like a little little like adventure you know like oh we'll turn off the neuralink and uh we'll experience we'll actually experience like was like to not have all of humanity's knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Soon mountain biking will just be a combination of Neuralink and the Oculus. It'll be virtual mm-hmm. reality. You'll, you won't even be moving. You'll just be in bed. Could I mean, if you have something in your brain, do you need something in your eyes? Because could you, the link just be telling your brain what you're seeing? Well, you so say you're... Uh, someone correct me in the comments, but I think your eyes are actually part of the brain. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, that information also goes to the back, the head here, in the occipital area. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, well, yeah, I guess you'd be connected to the eyes in the sense you can just connect to the brain. What do you think right. someone's going to say in the comments to that? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Chuthers, uh, <laughs> the Chuthers are coming out. Hey, I, I, I trust your audience. <laughs> They're going to say occipital? I loved him on Pimp My Ride. <laughs> well, so there's actually already um, uh, implants you can get for people. They were testing uh, people with vision loss you could insert sensors and, and just have it fed directly into the brain. And they couldn't see um, images exactly, but they would be able to differentiate uh, like larger objects and things like that. 
and uh it's pretty interesting actually it's it's uh yeah it seems like <laughs> i guess you know if you're blind and someone's like oh you could kind of see again you know you'll take that risk and be like yeah hey, let's shove some stuff in here and see yeah. what happens wait 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 that's what mr beast did could it make you a better mountain biker like if you're, you know, your sense of balance isn't that great or your depth perception, can it increase those things? Yeah, I wonder if, it, I guess possibly, uh, I'm just totally guessing now, but uh, you could take someone else's muscle memory and insert that in just like oh. into your mind. Like you could just you be could like, like, I want to ride like Gwyn and like You could download. download like a trick pack? Yeah, like, <laughs> oh my yeah. God, that's cool. So. I would get the Joey pack so that when we're making goofy music videos, I, I ride like a beginner. It's like in the Matrix when he's like, I know Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be awesome. See, now everyone wants it. Yeah. You don't need a choreographer on like a music video set. You just download the choreography pack. Yep. This reminds me of, have you guys seen Gattaca? A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. the whole concept is it's in the future and everyone's been sort of genetically modified and it's so excellent, but some people are naturally born that are from like, you know, less you know, wealthy families. And uh, Ethan Hawke's character tries to get into the space program as like a non- genetically enhanced person so he has to like impersonate someone else it is awesome mm -hmm. so i could is that <laughs> what i'm saying is i could see a future where like people you know half the people have like a Neuralink and half the people don't yeah and, you know the normies are still trying to compete oh yeah that, isn't that an episode of black mirror <laughs> uh i mean everything is yeah that's true that'll be divisive yeah it'll be I, i'm way more optimistic about it um than black mirror uh and i think it mostly sounds scary, but I, th I'm, I think the first problems they'll, they'll solve will be, uh, you know, things like blindness and paraplegic and, and things like that. And I think once that starts to happen and you go like, like, yeah, like I can walk again now, uh, I think culturally, like the whole, this whole implant thing will, will change. Because we're already, I mean, people made the argument that like you're already kind of a cyborg with your phone. You're, I mean, you're not physically attached to it, but so much of you is your phone. And uh, people, the phone is like the one thing that people, if they leave their house without it, will go back to go get things like that. So kind of like an extension of yourself and it's happening already, just slowly. Did, did you guys see the Mr. Beast video? You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I haven't I seen it, so. but I, he, I do know what you're talking about. cured a thousand people's blindness. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Or I saw the little snippet of it. Yeah. Uh, I think I would only get a Neuralink if Mr. Beast... Um, <laughs> gifted it to me yeah that's that, that's what it would take for it's me. coming yeah 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 <laughs> what would that episode be called uh giving Neuralink to one person yeah. Yeah. and then the thumbnail is like him holding a drill to someone's brain <laughs> well it'd be like limitless and smiling right? and a blue sky oh, limit yeah limitless it would I mean, it would be like that like your processing power the brain uh you know just doesn't process things that well um compared to computers and it seems like, and then it's kind of like a, when, once you ring that bell, so for example, chess, uh, ever since we made a robot that was better at chess, it, that is it from now on. No person will ever be better at chess. And that is just growing and growing. You know, it, it, it won, it's better at Go now, and it'll just be better at more and more things. And eventually it'll just be like, yeah, it'll be like limitless in the sense of, um, if everyone had this and you're all playing chess, uh, you just, you will not win. You'll just be the worst. And uh, yeah, maybe it just won't be an option, which sounds scary, but like I said, <laughs> more optimistic. It's like doping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it, 
Yeah, but yeah. yeah you have tur- you'll have tournaments where you have to turn off your, your Neuralink. But then there'll be like secret ways that yeah, you stay yeah. on and all this controversy. But then his machine will read your, your brain waves and be like, no, he's doping. <laughs> tying it back, tying it back. Yeah. So you're a pretty smart guy. Um, why do you uh, also make YouTube videos? Why aren't you making a million dollars as a... Uh, I can't even say the word. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny uh, how I how you present yourself, I guess, or what people think of you versus how you think of yourself in terms of how you would define yourself. Um, I think a lot of people only know me as the mountain biker, but that is... Yeah such a small percentage of like my actual time spent uh i do spend like 99 percent of my time at the university and uh but that's i mean riding bikes and and even making content has been a hobby for a long time even when i started riding in i guess like the 2007 ish era um i mountain biked but there were there's no mountains in Kenora. And so like in like street was really popular because of like drop in. And I loved uh, like Dylan Tremblay and, and people like that. And so I had like a, a mulleted specialized rock hopper and I would make edits and on, I can't even remember the program now, but I had uh Neuralink. I had Sony, Neuralink. Sony Vegas. <laughs> Not even Vegas. There was some free program and it, and then you had to use like the RCA cables that went in like I had a really old camera and it had like RCA cables you plug it in and then you had to play back the video and record it like live onto the computer mm-hmm. we do that now yeah so. we still do that with <laughs> our dad cam <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's it was that but I would I would make edits and then I would burn them to DVDs and I would like bring them around and be like watch me watch me do like an abubaka to 50 cent <laughs> Dave take your best guess as to what an abubaka is um I riding a bike i don't know like <laughs> fucking what do i say <laughs> i don't even yeah it's a good point yeah so the back back wheel stall <laughs> I, I it's not no just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we had the Neuralink, i would just look at you and you would get it ah. like, oh. <laughs> i know a bubica yeah bubica uh i said bubica <laughs> so i always i've always made edits and things like that i enjoyed cameras playing with them and things like that and uh well, what was your first encounter with a camera what first got you into <laughs> like what was it what was your first uh sounds super dark like like something bad happened to me like what the hell like a jvc you? pulled out like a switchblade in an alley <laughs> you take this or this first encounter with, yeah. <laughs> no i just mean like why why did you get interested in in making edits i mean it's uh you know i actually i gotta think about this for a second why did i make an edit um were you in a class in high school or? No, it was before that even. Like in preschool, did your parents always have a camera. They had a camera. I must have. I think I. I think I'm gonna say drop in. I'm gonna say watching drop in, seeing that my parents had a camera, and then like kind of putting two and two together, and then filming myself being like, "Oh, what does it look like? Like when I drop off this curb, and like, oh, it looks pretty dumb." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think it just started from there and. Uh, there must have been so i think yeah pink bike was definitely around and i think there was like video yeah there was videos then and then as soon as i got on pink bike and i saw people making edits i was kind of like oh like that's cool you were addicted to the rep the reputation points on the on the forums perhaps oh i didn't even get that i was oh he didn't no no 
uh, <laughs> I wasn't a heavy pink bike user. I think oh. I uploaded one video from like uh, 2007 or something like that. Um, but I think that's where I got the inspiration, I suppose. I just saw what people were doing and I was like, that's cool to make like a video of yourself riding. Um, and so then I, when I was mountain biking, I was mostly riding street and skate parks and things like that. Um, um, and then eventually it kind of just made sense that I bought a BMX. I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm riding the skate park all the time. I don't just buy a BMX. And then I BMX basically from, I think I was 13 until I moved here in 2017. And again, in BMX culture, there's a, there's a big kind of like edit culture. And, uh, that just, again, all kind of flowed naturally of like, well, let's just make like BMX edits. Um, and again, like no one, no one ever saw them really or anything. Uh, so it was mostly for fun. And even along those lines, we were making videos. Uh, and that's how I got into photography a little bit. Because it was like, oh, I've got videos are pretty cool. Like, what if we had photos of ourselves? Especially with Facebook coming around, you wanted cool photos to put up. And like, have a cool profile picture or something like that. And you're like, yeah, I ride bikes. Basically, like the <laughs> reputation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Gratification. Gratification. Dopamine hit. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. He on X Games mode. <laughs> yeah. But even, yeah, it, but there's our, lots of. Sorry. Is that our first sound of the podcast? We need the Neuralink soundboard really bad. Oh, yes, daddy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Jesus really drowned out the white noise in here. It's good. Uh, but yeah, even, well, even with photography, though, there's lots of photos that I've taken that I think are nice, but I've never put them anywhere. Uh, I take them kind of just as like an exercise and a challenge to take a nice photo of like the creek in my backyard at home and like, uh, or like my dogs or something like that. Humble brag. Yeah. Creek in your backyard. Well, okay. <laughs> so when really you, is a millionaire. When you live out in the woods, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of free space. Yeah. It's, it's Vancouver is very different. The Vancouver real estate market is very different than Kenora, Ontario. Uh, it's changing a little bit, but at the time, like as we were growing up, um, you know, at first it was like, oh yeah, like poor people live outside the city. And so like the housing and everything was cheap. And especially in Kenora and the Ontario area, there's lots of lakes and things like that. So everyone has homes and stuff on lakes because there's so many. They're everywhere. Uh, so that is all super common. Um, and it was all relatively inexpensive because people wanted to live in the city, you know, in the 90s-ish area when my parents bought their second house uh, and we moved. Um, but yeah, so that's why we have a creek in the backyard. And it, it, it sounds impressive now, yeah. but at the time, like in the 90s, if you said that, I'd be like, oh, this poor guy and this guy got running water in his backyard. <laughs> He's going to get a flood. Yeah. He's not a millionaire. He's a zillionaire. <laughs> um, so... Is, is this, this wordplay, Dave? Like, mm-hmm. Off his last name? Or yeah. No? Oh, okay. Got it. You get, you get it, yeah, I got it. Right away. Yeah, I got it. Awesome. Another slow. Oh, okay. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so so that's how I got into photography, and uh, I just say the first type of content that I was being like business wise is during undergrad. I worked as a photographer, um, and in nightclubs. Oh wow! Yeah. Nice. Uh, and We've been down that path too. Yeah. What, what have you seen? What happened? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's maybe Wait, like a Kenora, story. Kenora nightclubs? Uh, briefly. So the way. Is that, there a creek in the club? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
No, no, but it is on the lake, the club that I worked at. Oh, very nice. Like, it floats? It's like a cottage. No, oh, no. Okay. No, it's lake adjacent. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about Jason? Yeah. <laughs> Jason was Like there. a Jason. Lake Jason. And uh, so the way that I positioned myself was, you know, the clubs in Winnipeg, they wanted someone who was already good at the job. They didn't want to train anyone. So I went to my, like, restaurant slash, slash nightclub that's in Kenora, and I was like, hey, uh, like, let me take photos for your Facebook page and stuff like that. And, and so like, I kind of worked a few nights there just practicing taking nightclub photos. And then I used that and I went to Winnipeg nightclubs and it was like, Hey, hire me. Hey, hire me. I sent that out to everyone. Finally, a new nightclub was opening and I contacted the owner. She hired me really quickly, even though the manager was then mad at the time. Uh, cause she was just like, yeah, hey, whatever, hire him. Uh, but then it all worked out well. Like, um, my manager and I got along and worked in nightclubs. And uh, I guess to answer your question of like, if I've seen some things, uh, surprisingly not the, the clubs that I worked at were country bars. Mm. And there is something about country bars that are so much nicer to work in. I think it's the type of people that go to country bars. Like uh, I'd say like there's women and then like women's boyfriends for the most part. And uh yeah there just is a less of like a typical nightclub vibe of like i'm there to you know pick up girls or whatever a lot of people there are genuinely there to like dance to like, like line, line dancing yeah. yeah yeah and it's more fun and there's less like there's few fights and stuff like that and like weird stuff happening um the yeah i guess like the stories that i would tell probably off off air oh, uh, can't wait <laughs> happen just like in, in times i've been out at nightclubs uh oh the cameras are off yeah so yeah like, don't worry those aren't yeah whatever well, I'll, I'll preface I'll, yeah, I'll set up the scene of like kind of the weirder crazy things i've seen um and then you can just imagine the rest the nightclub <laughs> like was a bank where there's an upstairs uh but it's all balcony so it's like three stages of balcony and you look down on the dance floor and uh you like so there's you everyone on the dance floor and then you can look up to people and uh and yeah you just like you could see people up on the second floor there and yeah people just aren't like when it's dark out and you have a lot of drinks i guess you just don't think that people could see you like you're invisible and so yeah so i'll leave it there <laughs> <laughs> he's looked upwards he's seen some shit what do you what do you make in a night taking photos at these folk uh at these uh nightclubs so i think at the time I mean, my manager told me, I, I'll take his word for it, but uh, I was charging 125 a night. Um, and that was like the highest paid nightclub photographer in Winnipeg at the time. <laughs> of course they told you that. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I'm, I probably believe him. I think, uh, you know, he's a great guy. So, um, but, uh, but other people would do, I knew other people would do it for cheaper. So had I been like, no, I want 200 a night, they'd be like, uh, yeah, we're just going to hire someone else. Yeah. <laughs> J Jason and I, we were um, in the photography kind of nightclub mm. photography business mm -hmm. for a little bit there. We partnered up. Business. Wait, <laughs> business. how did I not know this? You didn't know this? No. Yeah, I mean, well, what, what, were what we making, did you I guess see? we were making videos, not photos. We made like short, like, like it wasn't even social clips. I don't know. The promo videos, I guess, for the nightclub. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I can show you some off the pod. Yeah. Um, but one one experience comes to mind. We showed up oh, 18 yeah. years old to uh, Boss Nightclub, which no longer exists. Where? And 
Uh, it was on Richard Street. Yeah. Okay. Richards. Yeah. It it was uh, mostly Asian nightclub. Like we were like two white guys there. <laughs> Hello, <standing>. fellow clubbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, we showed up. Eighteen years old. The promoter hired us because he knew our YouTube videos. He liked them. All that. He had us out. We showed up so early, like eight o'clock, maybe like there's like the staff had just showed up and we're there with our like a homemade steady cam that we had made out of PVC pipe and scrap wood and stuff and just come with our crappy gear. Jason's got like the Justin Bieber haircut classic, <laughs> like huge head of hair. We look like we're at 18. Yeah, definitely. super. We look like definitely. we're 14. And yeah. um yeah, and then this one bouncer, he just keeps looking at us, keeps looking over his shoulder, like, what the hell are these kids doing here? And we're just trying to act cool, just pretend we know what we're doing, but we're at the club at 8 p.m. There's no one there. We're just, like, looking around. And uh, so the line starts to fill up a little bit, and then eventually, bouncer comes over us to us, and because uh, we had just got in without having to show our ID, because no one was there, mm -hmm. there was no bouncer, so we asked to see our ID, and uh, he asks us to leave. <laughs> and then... We're super bummed. We tell the promoter, hey, we got to leave. He says, why? He won't let us in. We're, we're underage. And he had no idea. He had absolutely mm -hmm. no idea. That, I think that was our very first club experience, Jason. Uh, yeah, must have been. I mean, we, we didn't in. really experience anything. Well, we, we went inside and then we got kicked out. Yeah. They kicked you out yeah. after you asked for one alcohol, please. <laughs> yeah. I actually asked for a milk. So. Yeah, I asked for a Kool-Aid jammer. <laughs> Pretty upset. That's a totally different thing in a nightclub. I'm looking at Kenora here. <laughs> Kenora here is uh, hardly land. It's like mostly water, it looks like. It's like a bunch of little islands. It's all oh, creeks. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's lake country. Yeah. Uh, everyone has a boat. You know, fishing is super popular. Uh yeah, it's, all, it's, it's the city itself is on Lake of the Woods, which is a huge lake. Uh, there are parts of it where you can't see across. Um, and uh, people live on islands. Apparently lots of famous people. Like if you go out onto, into the lake, uh, it's tons of islands all kind of just scattered around. And you'd be putting along and it'd be like, oh, like there's a mansion and like a helipad. And like there's a bunch of them out there. There's now. a creek in the backyard. Yeah, <laughs> it's all creeks. He's got two creeks. Yeah, <laughs> I only have one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, it's it's. I think it's a very popular area for uh, some some movie stars and things like that. Really, and I can't remember mm. a story. I always hear is uh, Goldie Hawn. I think has a cabin out there. Um, and everyone, it's a small town, sixteen thousand people. Everyone kind of knows each other somewhat, or like is familiar with what people look like in the town. And uh, this is a story my mom had told me. Just like Goldie Hawn would go out in Kenora, but she'd wear like a disguise. But you could tell, like, that's a blonde wig. Like, there's just a, like, why is that woman wearing a blonde wig? Like, it would just be, it, you could tell they're in a disguise. So it was like kind of defeating the purpose. <laughs> like, drawing more attention. Yeah. To you're them. Like, uh, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, Kenora's kind of a funny place and it's a small town, but. Uh, Did you ever confirm that it was actually Goldie Hawn? And then, so the story goes. I, okay. Yeah. And lots of people have, have said that in the hometown. It's before uh, I was quite young, I think, when she would visit the area and things like that. So I hear. She's like the Loch Ness monster of Kenora. <laughs> like, we, th we thought we saw a Goldie. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, who else was around? My friend uh, saw Rob Schneider once when we were filming. They were filming uh, some movie that ended up never getting made. And uh, he stopped at Shell once when my friend was working. Deuce Bigelow, Deuce Bigelow yeah. 3D. <laughs> it, was, it was something kind of like a weird movie, like uh, Susie and the, the Miracle Fish or something. 
<laughs> oh, that old thing. Well, Kenora makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but no, it's 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 a funny place. It's uh, I like it a lot. Uh, one thing that always gets people is our Safeway. Again, everything everything is on the lake. What is Some, a Safeway for our uh, oh, a grocery store? Our grocery store <laughs> okay. uh, has docks. Like people drive their boats to go get groceries. No, uh, no way. That's sick. you pull up and like you pull up to the dock and you type your boat and you go get groceries and. It's like the floating McDonald's. Sounds f- fun mm. once a year. And then when you have to do it regularly, it sounds really annoying. Yeah. So when the worst is it, like there's winter there. And what? <laughs> people you guys who haven't live, abolished that yet? <laughs> we're trying. We're working on it. <laughs> Everyone uh, who lives on the island. So there's a, there's a small <laughs> island, say right across in the Safeway called Coney Island. And it, uh, but lots of people live there. But in the summer, you have to boat there. In the winter, when the ice kind of freezes over, they put a bridge. But there's this in-between area where when you want to get over there, you have to boat. But it's like November and it's freezing. And you just have to like putt along in your boat. Like It's like three, five below. It's awful. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see Coney Island. Is this, is this the Safeway here? Is uh, it? Yeah, that looks right. This is it? Oh, I thought you were saying it was on an island. Is this no, an island? no, the island. It's that island oh, like right I across see. there. But they have to commute yeah they got a boat there's some funny names here i'm seeing rat portage bay yeah you live just south of reddit oh yeah the town of reddit (laughs) the town of reddit (laughs) so that's where it's from (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, yeah yeah Yeah, it it goes uh, every like once a year someone will post like visiting reddit and the sign of reddit and it'll get like yeah hundred thousand of votes shit yeah and you also live south of White Dog, and mm-hmm. you live just east of east of Eagle Dog Tooth Provincial <laughs> Park. People are just like pulling names out of a bucket. Yeah, yeah, everything's got a name. Does it have a good skate park or dirt jump? It, yeah. uh, it does have a great skate park, actually. Oh, really? Uh, it's small, but it's just so well designed. Um, of all the skate parks I've visited, probably my favorite still. No way! Um, wow, they compensate for no mountains, I guess, and no hills. Yeah, it makes great skate parks. Now the only problem is it's it's at the rec center and it's kind of up on a bit of a hill, but again it's on the lake, which is similar to the prairies in that there's nothing to stop the wind. So sometimes you'd go to ride and you'd be like, just a windstorm, mm-hmm. and it would kind of suck. Yeah, so it's not not a like great area for a skate park. Just up on a hill, like on open water, uh, pretty windy sometimes. But uh, no, it's a great skate park and yeah. Everyone who comes visits like, oh, such a fun little skate park. So how has the YouTube uh, journey been for you to the, up to this point? Documenting yourself, riding bikes. Mm. I assume that's all you've posted on YouTube? Uh, for the most part, yeah. yeah. Just Anything like bikes else? and bike related. Yeah. Uh, I'll post um, some science stuff on Instagram sometimes. Okay. Uh, I posted a short maybe once of like one science thing. So has it been a good journey for you? Has it been a positive, positive journey? Yeah, I think for me, I have a pretty different approach than especially the full-time YouTubers. Um, it's always been like whatever I like and whatever I think is fun kind of first um, because I am doing lots of other things. And especially when I started, I didn't ever think that, like I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and like, in two years, I'm going to have 100,000 subscribers and like, I'm going to make a go of it. I just started a YouTube channel because I liked making videos and I was like, oh, I'll just like post them here. And then they started getting attention and I kind of just stuck to that of just posting 
what I like, what I like to watch and then kind of what I'm doing and what I like to edit and things like that. And so it's been good in that. I don't think it's been that stressful or anything. I guess the only downside is sometimes like if you do feel like you've made a good video or something and it doesn't go well or something like that, you're kind of like, Oh, um, I really don't get, um, I used to get more negative comments. Like when I first started, um, just people would be like, you suck. <laughs> Things like that. It's like, okay. Uh, that, <laughs> those were our burner accounts. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. Your competition to us. Yeah. That rarely happens now though. I, I'd say like, I re- like, cause you delete them and you I, block I, everybody. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like, uh, when it comes to like shadow banning. Yeah. Like if someone is like obviously trolling yeah. uh, and it's not a criticism again, like even, I think I make pretty benign content. Like, the criticism could just be something like your hub's too loud. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, that hurt my feelings or anything. <laughs> Where do you like, live? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, like I did, it's just me riding my bike with my friends for the most part. And uh, yeah, people enjoy it more, definitely more than I thought. And I definitely do feel lucky in the sense of like, there's something about what I'm doing that people enjoy. And that, I feel like that doesn't necessarily need to be true. Like I'm just, I do this and there's something about my videos or I don't know, my voice or something like that that people like. And, uh, and that's allowed me to kind of do the YouTube thing. And then, uh, the money has helped in terms of now I can kind of ride more and focus maybe less on doing other things to support my graduate career. Um, you know, so a lot of people will work like, at a Safeway, for example. And uh, those kind of jobs are pretty rough. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I don't have to do that. And I can kind of, between my graduate stipend and YouTube, I can kind of just like squeak by. And uh, so, yeah, not, all in all, uh, no complaints, I guess. And it's been good. And uh, the community has been good. I've met my friends, actually. Uh, I guess, you know, I've met you guys because of YouTube. I've met um, Dave and Dale, the two guys that I ride with the most, who both have YouTube channels as well because of YouTube. Uh, Eric from BCPOV. Um, yeah, actually, like a lot of the people that I talk to daily right now really is because of YouTube. So the benefits for YouTube for me as well hasn't even just been like the, I don't know, the social status of having a YouTube channel or the money, which I mean, it's not a lot of money either way. Um, but all the other stuff that it's allowed me to do and the people I've met have been, been probably the best part. With it being, sounds like you have a pretty casual approach to it oh yeah do do you foresee that changing like once the views start going up and do you ever feel like oh i'm going for a bike ride i gotta film this i gotta i gotta keep the content wheel turning or can you just go for a bike ride um i could see it changing um like once i'm finished with school uh, and i graduate um and i have to kind of figure out what i want to do next I do like making videos and I have done it for a long time. Um, mostly not on YouTube, but yeah, I could see, you know, it's hard to tell how I'll feel even from a year from now, but I could see it happening. Yes. Like where I go, like, you know, what, let's take this more seriously and let's start uh, being more rigorous about how I approach a video and go like, let's find the intersection of what people want to watch and what I want to do and what I can do. and and start making you know outlining videos coming up with good concepts 
you know, making sure they're entertaining, editing them well, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I would say definitely. But it depends too. Like if I graduate and someone's like, hey, here's a half a million dollar job, you know, in the, in the electron mines, then I'll, uh, that's, it might be hard to, hard to pass by. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you can just still also out. just go ride your yeah. bike. <laughs> that is, that's yeah. too, like you, I do want to be careful right now. I think I've found a happy medium between, uh, doing it as a job and not having it and having it still be a hobby where I really enjoy it. And I still watch a lot of mountain bike content cause I really like it. And I still am looking at mountain bikes all the time. And I always want to ride more mountain bikes and ride more. It's not like, Oh, I got to go film a video. Uh, I usually want to go film a video and right now I'm kind of in like a happy medium and, and uh, yeah. So for the foreseeable future, yeah, a year or so I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and uh, I'm just going to have to pick, pick it up and review it in about a year or so when I graduate and, and see where I'm at. I scroll through your Instagram and you're getting crazy views on some of these videos. You get like 20 million oh. <laughs> views for a GoPro video. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Again, uh, yeah, for some reason on Instagram, on TikTok, I had a video of me riding Boogie Nights, like really blow up. Um, Boogie Nights is the jump trail. You're the only jump trail here in, in North Vancouver. Um, yeah, it got 20 million views on Instagram and 25 million on TikTok. And uh, a lot of people then have joined my Instagram page and TikTok pages from that. And yeah, you know, something going viral is, it's hard, you know, hard to figure out exactly what it is about that. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I don't think it's reproducible, so I can't really give you a good answer of why. Well, why you've happened, reproduced but. it a couple times. There's some, yeah. you might have like 15 million on another <laughs> video or something, but. Um, yeah, people, again, I feel lucky in the sense of like, um, especially the vertical content, you know, the writing for me, uh, part of it that I enjoy is progression um you know you challenge yourself to ride something new or whatever and there's also something about filming it where it looks cool at the same time is also like its own challenge and then when that comes together where you're like both proud of the thing you've done and you feel like you filmed it and you're like oh that actually looks pretty cool um that's the kind of stuff i like to post on instagram and whatnot and uh that's another thing i've done for a long long time even my i have another instagram that's just my personal instagram uh and if you go way back it still is like bmx clips and stuff like that of like like oh like i feel like you know i did a table the best table i've ever done and i also think like i filmed it at the right angle where it looks cool and uh again i feel lucky in that there's something that people seem to enjoy and and now i think like 110,000 people follow me on instagram which is I'd, i mean it, how, it, how much has that grown in a year ah uh, so uh like 70,000 people in the last oh wow few months so since christmas so i posted it in like late november and then it just like blew up over christmas what's the what okay i don't know if you want to tell your secrets but what's the secret to a good pov clip on instagram uh i i, I <laughs> he doesn't know <laughs> i don't i don't i don't really know it's one of those things i feel like i know it when i see it i don't uh, i don't really have um, like uh a list of things that i'm looking for and I think that's just how my mind works in general. Um, maybe I just don't talk to people about these things enough, but I, there's definitely a lot of just like 
intuition and feeling when it comes to these things. And even how I approach anything, it's like I'm just, I'm doing it. And then someone, you know, my girlfriend is always asking me things like, uh, like, oh, like, did you like, you know, this new drink we tried? Like, yeah. And she'd be like, like what do you like about it? I need to actually think like, what did I like about it? Like, oh, it was sparkly. And I guess like I liked, it was pineapple flavored. And, and so it's almost the same with making content where I really am not like actively being rigorous in my mind with like a list of things. I'm just kind of going where the wind takes me. And, I mean, uh, maybe that's part of the secret yeah. of the success. <laughs> it's like the, yeah. that sounds super artsy, I guess. And mysterious. We've talked about this a few times, like yeah. trying too hard sets you back. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but but I, I was just going to say really quick. <laughs> cutting off each other. I podcast. think also <laughs> part of the secret is you're really good at biking. Like you're, boogie nights clip mm. isn't you just riding the trail normally like you're going fast you're hitting all the things in an inspirational way that mm. other people might want to try and replicate mm. you yeah. ride in an inspirational <laughs> way nick yeah i i would be hesitant even like the level of riding here is so high that the way that i always thought about it was if someone was describing like if someone who hadn't met me would be like oh like you know do you know nick and Oh, he mountain bikes and be like, oh, is he, is he good at mountain biking? Be like, oh, he's pretty good. I, I feel like that is an accurate description. <laughs> the level, right? Like yeah. there's, even within my friend group, I, I don't, I, I'm probably the worst rider. Um, and then even within our group, there are groups of riders who are all better than us. And yeah, the level riding here is, is just insane. So um, I, I, I even case like the third jump in yeah. the video. Yeah, <laughs> so you're like, it's oh, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so me, yeah, if you're not as familiar with mountain biking, uh, that probably plays to my advantage too, of like, uh, if you don't see a lot of mountain biking or, uh, you are in an area where maybe it's more casual, uh, and you see that and it, yeah, be like, yeah, it, it, it looks extreme and like mm -hmm. super fast and everything. Um, so I guess, yeah, relative to maybe a casual audience. Uh, yeah, I think the top comment on that was, I broke three bones just yeah. watching this or something like that. So I think it did go beyond mountain biking. Yeah, People totally. are just like, this looks insane. Exactly. This exists. Yeah, I got a lot of comments, um, especially on, I posted a clip of uh, the dynamite roll, a really huge rock roll. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's comments that are like, uh, like, oh, you're risking your life. And like, how do you not flip over? And yeah, so there's a lot of um, non-mountain bikers who are consuming this content, which is interesting because I really don't know. Uh, I don't make content necessarily for non mountain bikers. I'm like pretty focused in on like the niche of mountain biking uh, into people who want to watch like technical POV riding is like a pretty small subset of people. And uh, so yeah, it's interesting to see some of this stuff go out to a general audience and, and how they react to it. I mean, it's, it's fun because they're like, they're pumped. <laughs> they're like, whoa, like I've never seen something like this. Does does the crashing mountain bike industry affect you at all? This uh, this dip we've entered. No, no, no. So that so even if even if mountain biking just got like Thanos away, like <laughs> like it just snapped, like you're like ah, fifty percent of biking, like mountain biking, just just like disappeared. Uh, yeah, I would just start BMXing again, and I would just ride skate parks more, and or even like trials. Um, I dabbled with trials for a while, and I would have a trials bike now if I had more room and time. Um, so, so yeah, it, it really hasn't affected me at all, even in terms of like, uh, some of the brand partners I have for my channel. Um, yeah, things are still 
chugging chugging along business as usual. And um, maybe there's less interest in YouTube uh, mountain bike videos since the pandemic. Like there was a big um, surge with everyone buying bikes and getting into mountain biking. Um, so maybe views wise, like you could say that that's affected me. But at the end of the day, I get, yeah, even with YouTube, like if if I start posting videos and they get 100 views or 50 views or no views, uh, yeah, even that, I could, I, could just, I could just stop focusing on YouTube if I really wanted to or didn't feel like making YouTube videos and be, it wouldn't totally crush me or anything like that. Um, I would probably just still make content like if I won the lottery or something like that. I would just still make YouTube videos pretty similar to how I do now. Just Maybe I would turn off monetization or donate it or something like just that. Just hand out the DVDs again. Yeah, just on the street. You want to buy yeah. my mixtape? Fucking <laughs> flinging them at people riding by. <laughs> Every edit to 50 Cent, too. <laughs> yeah, it's sick. Uh, we, we, we don't have much time here. we got to play a quick game with you, but uh, there's a question on in our show notes that I can't not ask. I didn't write this one. I don't know who did, but with no context, uh, what was it like creating an autonomous ice mass <laughs> balance buoy? buoy? <laughs> uh what what the hell did i just ask so uh (laughs) during my undergrad um you so when you're an engineer one of the things you try to do is get co-ops or like experiences of some sort so that you're you're not useless when you graduate and i applied for what's called the unset insert undergraduate award so that's the national science and engineering research council so i won a small amount of money to work over the summer with a sea ice researcher who wanted to develop a way to monitor sea ice uh, at a lower cost. Because science stuff, just like if you think mountain biking is expensive, uh, science stuff is just wildly expensive. It's like, oh, you want like a, a post? Like that'll be $500. Just like, it's just a metal tube. Sounds like film. It's like, yeah. It's just <laughs> like, if it's science, like sciency, it's so expensive. So wow. um, they were having a problem that... Um, uh, yeah, it costs a lot to send out like a data logger onto the sea ice and not ever get it back and have it cost like $20,000 or something like that. So they're like, oh, like let's see if a project, if someone can, if we can make like kind of just a cheap whatever and see if we can record some data that way. So uh, that was my project and I worked on it for about two and a half years during my undergrad. Basically, I took an Arduino, a small like programmable computer kind of, and um, I designed my own data logger and it would record uh, like air temperature and air humidity. And we had a string of temperature sensors that we would, so you drill into the ice and then you drop the string through the ice and then let it freeze. And then we record uh, the temperature gradient through the ice and all that kind of stuff. And it had to be in a box, like a, uh, ended up putting it in a Pelican case. And then it was connected to sort of a satellite, um, Uh, a system called Iridium where you could send text messages from anywhere in the world. And so it would record the data and it would send the data back to us uh, kind of in this like SMS text. Uh, So I designed something to do that. And luckily I was able to go to uh, Churchill, Manitoba, right on the sort of edge of Hudson Bay there. And we went out in a helicopter and I got to deploy this out on some mobile sea ice. And uh, and yeah, which is pretty wild experience because so, first of all, helicopters are kind of scary, um, <laughs> but people die pretty often flying over the ocean in helicopters. And people from the University of Manitoba, where I was doing my undergrad, had died like 
years earlier. Like a group of researchers, like a helicopter crashed into the sea ice. They lived through the crash and then like died in the water. And uh, so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. And um, as we're flying, um, I'm in the front seat and we've got all these big tubes set up that we're going to deploy. And in the helicopter, there's kind of like, there's the stick in the middle. And the guy's like, no one touch the stick. Like, we'll go down. And Don't some, the stick. Somehow, <laughs> this, the pilot's like spidey sense tingled. And one of the tube things had like tipped over and was about to just like crunch the controls. And he had like caught it. And he's like, hey, uh, someone grab this? We're like, oh my God. So that was scary. And then when you get on t- out to the sea ice, so all the water is moving and you basically have like these big chunks of ice that are floating around in the Hudson and you don't know how thick they are. Cause sometimes it breaks up and just like a thin layer will, will freeze and then it'll snow on top. So you have to take the helicopter, you fly and you land on it. And then he's got to keep the power on and just like lightly touch down. Someone has to get out, drill in the ice, make sure it's over like two or three feet thick or whatever. And, and then we can get out. But there's a chance like that he puts it down and there's no ice there and you just go bloop into the water. Um, and then the pilots needed to come with us, but they also needed to be trained with firearms because the polar bears um, at that time go out onto the sea ice. And so there's like a real chance that like if a polar bear sees you, like you're going to be attacked. So we had like a bunch of rifles, things like that. And so yeah, uh, went out in the Hudson Bay and I had my autonomous ice mass balance buoy, which is just a fancy word for data logger, and uh, put it out there, drilled my hole, put in my sensors, and, and uh, put up my little satellite, and then we chopper it away. Sounds more dangerous than mountain biking. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, dangerous in the sense that like, there were, you weren't really in control. Like uh, There's a chance that a bear might see you. And even in Churchill, I, I'm pretty sure that there's a law that says um, you can't keep your doors locked and things like that, because... If a polar bear is chasing you, like you need to go into a car, or into a house and like <laughs> get right. away from it because they will attack you. And they, and even a, when you're at the research facility there, you can't go outside alone. You need to have someone watching behind you. So if you're doing something, someone needs to be looking behind you to be like, oh, we got to go inside. There's a, there's a bear approaching. Jeez. Good times. It's a different <laughs> world. <laughs> Nick, you might be the smartest guy who has ever walked through our podcast. I mean, okay, so just am I, am I easily, you, you know how, <laughs> sorry, other guys. Yeah. Sorry. Everyone else. <laughs> I feel like how maybe, you know, my mom who doesn't mountain bike sees me mountain bike and she's like, Oh, he's the best mountain bike in the world. Maybe <laughs> this is happening now where <laughs> it, it seems I'm like, it's all smoke and mirrors a bit where I, I, I do do these things that do do. <laughs> sorry sorry seem seem correlated like with intelligence but uh but no when it when i'm when i'm there's there's first of all there's so many smart people even within my lab group uh you know there's tons of smart people and then within the university and then within like several universities like yeah no i'm, I'm way i'm down down in the in the pits not so smart is what you're trying to say i'm not so smart yeah. as, as i seem but, but when you're surrounded by us <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty smart yeah. yeah you do do pretty well here. Yeah, yeah. I, do. <laughs> I don't know if i feel smarter today or dumber i'm not quite sure i, I definitely f- was feeding off you becoming a little smarter in ways but ultimately mm-hmm. i think i'm just feeling dumber today i never didn't understand what you were talking about oh good so <laughs> so you, you dumbed it down just right 
I was like, Metallica, cool. Or maybe it's, <laughs> there's a slight chance where maybe that's about the level that I also understand it at. And so it, 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 it's actually come up that I, because this is a new research area, even in within Canada, even kind of, um, there are other groups though, like a group that we kind of work with at Princeton where like the guy, the head of the lab there, he's like the OG, he's like the man of this, this area. And I, it's like embarrassing for me to talk to him. Like it, it just is, I know so little. It just, I, I need to like prepare, like read his textbooks, like be like, okay, I got to come up with like the uh, question that doesn't sound like I'm a complete idiot. How do you I, think I felt preparing for this podcast? <laughs> yeah. What, when he's speaking to you and he says, do, do, do you go do, do <laughs> <laughs> some people, you know, uh, Depending on who you're talking to in like the science community, uh, yeah, there's a very, there's way more of a casual nature, even though there is like a very suit and tie kind of feel to it. But, but, uh, you know, if you look at um, the history of scientists, especially like the really famous ones, they all kind of go like, you know, Isaacton third, like grew up poor and he he like published a paper by the time he was 20 that like changed the world. And then he died at 35 of syphilis with his like seven mistresses and like partying. And you're like, Oh, they all, all the stories kind of end like that. <laughs> like, oh, okay. There's some wild folks. And even like the physics departments that I've been a part of and, and visited. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's definitely an interest in even like psychedelics and stuff like that. Um, and even like some academics now are even talking about like there's an academic interest in it, but there's definitely more of like, yeah, they're not as, uh, I don't know, stuffy shirt as, as, as it would seem on the surface. Sometimes they can get kind of wild. That was a nice attempt to be like, scientists are cool. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm out here. They <laughs> fucking die of syphilis, bro. <laughs> With seven yeah. wives. With seven wives. Hey, it's, it's weird because it's in like a textbook you'll be yeah, reading yeah, yeah. and you would be like, oh, Things took a pretty wild turn here, <laughs> like after thirty. Yeah. Well, they knew their time was almost up because that's just as long as you had back then. Yeah, that's true. So, it's just die partying, I guess. Yeah. Should we play this or that? <laughs> I have one more question. Do you ever face any judgment uh, because of your hobby and being a biker, BMXer, YouTuber? Oh it, no, uh, Walking no. In with skate shoes so, in the laboratory. So actually, the other thing that. Um, I'm doing now is I've joined the injury prevention and mobility lab to do uh, my last class that I need to take. I'm doing a directed studies where you kind of make up your own class. I've joined them because they're studying mountain bike falls and I'm working with them, um, you know, in part of because I mountain bike and I make content and stuff. Um, and so actually the opposite in that, yeah, being a mountain biker has made me kind of like an expert in the lab in terms of, I'm an expert mountain biker and I have all these sort of intuitive things to add to, to the conversation for them. Like a lot of student students studying falling like, Oh, like why did this guy do it or whatever, you know, do this or pull his brake or whatever. What's it like riding this stuff? I can help them with that. And I'm also working on a project. Um, my project with them is to look at track stand stability um, and how vision affects that. So mm. at first I was going to do, so we have a force plate. It's just like a plate in the ground and it measures uh, you know, force in every direction and how much torque is being on the plate and whatever. And records it um, for however long you want. 
And so I built a platform so you can track stand on it. And so I did a couple studies on myself where I just did a track stand on it for 30 seconds. And then uh, at first I was going to just uh, do eyes closed. That's a really common test for standing stability. You just stand normal light and then you close your eyes and then you can see the change in stability. So I, at first I was going to do that where I close my eyes and try and track stand really, really hard. I couldn't even do it. So I had to just do like low light um, where I turned down the lights. And uh, even that I saw like a pretty dramatic change in, um, in my stability. I was able to complete the trial. So actually track stand for 30 seconds. But if you look at basically at the end of the end, you produce kind of like um, kind of a chart and it's always plotting kind of where your, your force is. So when you're really stable, you would, you would just make like a dot. If you're perfectly stable, you just have a dot right in the middle. But in, on, on a regular light on a bike, I kind of have this diagonal line where you can see me kind of balancing and kind of has a bit of fuzziness to it. And as I turned down the lights, that fuzziness increased like at least 50%. And uh, so I'm doing a study. I'm writing my ethics right now to recruit a bunch of people to come and do that same thing and track stand on my forest plate and record a bunch of data and analyze it. And so yeah, mountain biking in that sense. Uh, yeah. It's now, now related to my schoolwork. So the lesson learned was don't mountain bike with your eyes closed. <laughs> we, that was it, the, the conclusion. I think, the study. yeah, I, yeah, it. so that stability from track standing until about, um, even like at a slow roll, um, the dynamics are the same. So going slow and track standing seem to be the same, like you're using the same techniques and have the same stability. Um, I would say, you know, application of this information, uh, maybe for mountain biking or something like that is, uh, you know, any sort of competition, you definitely wouldn't want to go later at night or anything like that. Or even riding at night, sometimes if it's getting towards evening and you're going to ride like a really technical janky trail. Uh, not only is it harder to see, but actually your stability will, will be worse. Mm. So it is like a little more dangerous, something mm. to keep in mind. Uh, maybe in trials as well. Like if you're competing in trials and someone gets to go at noon, but you have to go at like the end of the day where it starts to get like lower and lower light, like it could be like a real difference in just your own performance of being stable. Reminds me of being a kid and the, the sun's going down, but I want to keep riding and I'm pushing it harder and harder and just probably just packing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh well that's cool. If you ever want to do any uh interesting studies here, we got lots of space. If you want to do some weird nerdy uh bicycle study, close our eyes, turn the lights off, do some track stands, anything like Play that. with our buttholes. <laughs> Ice buoys. Wait, what? Uh this or that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so now we're gonna play a game. Uh, uh all right. Um Jason, I think you gotta do the this or that. Yeah, I'll do it. And uh Mr. DJ over there play that tune oh wait hey guys wait first what in the future like when we build this set mm -hmm. we talked about like having like a crazy lighting cue mm -hmm. it goes do 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 mm -hmm. and then a spotlight uh, mm -hmm. lands on the guest mm -hmm. like who wants to be a millionaire like mm -hmm. exactly. exactly yeah inspo. i was just imagining that thinking that would be sick and probably also cost five thousand dollars but maybe we can figure it out in a cheap way i feel like we could figure it out yeah Someone who's like really, really smart with technology maybe could help us mm. figure out. If only we knew someone. You just hire a bunch of students and mm. hope it works out. Mm. Yeah, we should really be, you know, manipulating that loophole. Yeah, we should yes. be taking advantage of people more. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Okay, yeah. we ready? Yeah, go for it.
We didn't explain the rules. Oh, yeah. Do you know the, but you the, know rule, this game? the rules? I, I've, I've seen you guys do it, but what are the rules? <laughs> there are no rules. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is this. You just that. can't skip. You can't skip. Oh, okay. Can't yeah. skip. We're going to give you two options. You got to pick get, one. It's getting really personal. And if you lose, there's a trap door you will fall yeah. through. <laughs> <laughs> there's a polar bear down there. Yeah. Okay, Dave. From or Seymour? Seymour. Seymour or Cypress? Seymour. Magnetocephalography or making videos? <laughs> Magnetoencephalography. Jumps or steeps? Jumps. Vans or cans? Vans? Video games or movies? Movies. Barspins or tailwhips? Barspins. Coffee or beer? Beer. Dave Mira Freestyle BMX or Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX? Dave Mira. Manitoba or BC? BC. Underbiked or overbiked? Overbiked. Helicopter crash or polar bear attack? <laughs> Helicopter crash? <laughs> Wet trails or dusty trails? Wet trails. Get the Neuralink or hit the Toonie drop? Oh. <laughs> Either one's going to 50% kill you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Neuralink. Ooh. Autonomous ice mass balance buoy or Chinese spy balloon? Chinese spy balloon? Yeah. Traitor. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the next That's the next Burnage. stage. X Games or Do Tour? X Games. Dirt Jumps or Skate Parks? Skate Parks. Instagram or YouTube? YouTube. Enduro Race or Skate Park Session? Skate Park Session. Arrow and Thumbnail or potentially less views? <laughs> arrow, and, <laughs> arrow and Thumbnail. Shuttle or Pebble? Shuttle. Chin Mount GoPro or Chest Mount GoPro? Chin Mount. Kenora or Vancouver? Vancouver. Crankworks or Rampage? Rampage. Feeble or Smith? Smith. Finally, BMX or mountain bike? Mountain bike. Uh, wow. That was Congratulations. Yeah. You've won nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you did well, though. You picked, you picked, which is good. Yeah, you were, you were the, uh, maybe the most decisive person we've ever had. Oh. Yeah, we usually good. hum and haw pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. I'm, I feel well, like I'm well known in my house for being indecisive. Oh. We'll take that, Astro. Yeah. <laughs> just a, two of us and one of them's a dog. Jason, uh, you almost pronounced Magno. I haven't tried yet. I'm going to give it a shot. Magneto. Oh, God. Magneto. Magneto encephalography. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Magneto, like the X Men. And then encephalography, I guess, is the hard one. Magneto encephalography. If you're not in science, you're just not used to looking <clears throat> at a word that's that long yeah. and trying to break it down and then say it. I, I know a longer word. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I say it right, though, but it's the longer, longest word. Numino ultra microscopic silicovolcano coniosis. Ooh, I don't know that one. It's the condition he has um, in his <laughs> pants. <laughs> Is that like syphilis? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I only have a few more years. Uh, that's all I have. And say it again. Uh, Numino ultra microscopic silicovacane coniosis. Mm, hi. It's hereditary. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being the first guest in our new place. That was great. Yeah. It, it sounds better now. The HVAC actually turned off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Just in time. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for the beers, too. You brought us some gifts. I did, mm. yeah. Um, what were they again? They're blueberry beer from uh, Lake of the Woods Brewery in Kenora, Ontario. The taste of Kenora? Yep. The taste of Kenora. <laughs> the <laughs> taste of Reddit. <laughs> yeah. 
Ew. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, do you feel metaphorically full today? Like this is it for me? Like, like I ha- need to go home and lay down? <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Do you feel well fed? Have you fed off fed off of us today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. You need to go home and lay down. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to uh, promote? Where can people find your videos? What's your YouTube channel name? Uh, yeah, so I guess if they want to watch my videos now, uh, it's Van Can on YouTube, V-A-N-C-A-N, which is just, it's Vancouver, Canada, just shortened. I yeah. almost asked, but I was like, nah, it's too stupid of a question. <laughs> oh, it's too stupid of a name. <laughs> uh, it, it really is not as like well thought out as other people's. Um, and then same with, uh, similar on Instagram, it's Van Can MTV. And uh, TikTok is Van underscore Can underscore. Someone has the name. And what if people want to learn more about Magneto encephalography? Ooh, the best place for that? Uh, probably just YouTube. Um <laughs> <laughs> just google just, images just, like we did just all podcast youtube yeah there actually isn't that many great resources um uh, especially for uh, like an introduction sometimes it get pretty heavy pretty pretty fast dave you gotta say it once before we turn the podcast off magnetoencephalography <laughs> wow nailed it smart all right everybody this is this is it this is the end of the road thanks for listening please remember to subscribe rate our show on whatever platform you're listening on Drop us a review. We haven't read or, or we haven't listened to any speak pipes in a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, yeah, we've been doing guests. I can't wait. You got to lay some pipe later. I can't wait. <laughs> um, and also looking forward to this podcast eventually having multi cameras. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to have a video switcher and switch between the cameras live. It's going to be pretty cool. So keep watching. And uh, that's it. As always. Thank you for listening to Feeding Off Each Other. Please subscribe for more great podcasts.